0: Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show, Free Agency. It's yet to officially begin, and the Cardinals, we know, have already made a big splash with the signing of J.J. Watt. So if you're General Manager Steve Keim, what's your next move? First, though, J.J. Watt and Reggie White. Is there a comparison? One person believes so, and if he's right, the Cardinals will be very, very happy. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 400. That's a nice round number, and it starts Now. Obviously, the J.J. Watt signing a huge deal here locally for all Arizona Cardinals fans. But MJ, over the past, what, 24, 48 hours, getting a sense of what this move meant nationally, the national narrative, and all of a sudden, for the first month, six weeks of the offseason, zero conversation about the Arizona Cardinals. And for, for a small part, that's good because a lot of the discussion has been about the quarterback movement and the Cardinals don't have to worry about that. Outside of quarterback play, though, you don't hear the Cardinals being talked a lot about. That changed after this move to land J.J. Watt, and I want to get into one thing that I did hear, and this was the Adam Schefter podcast. He had J.J. Watt on Monday, and a question that Schefter asked was a question that we discussed here on Cardinals Cover 2, and it was a question asked of Watt during his introductory press conference. How much do you have left in the tank? Well, Watt, in addressing us, said a lot and left it at that. Schefter asked the same question, and Watt said a lot left. And then he went further. And that's what I want to get into because I found this interesting. He brought up, talking about J.J. Watt, that even at the age of 32, which he will be at the start of this coming 2021 season, He brought up the name Reggie White, that White was 32 years old, his first season with the Green Bay Packers. And we're dating ourselves here, Bird Gang, but remember that offseason. This was huge news. Reggie White, after eight seasons with the Philadelphia Eagles, was a free agent. Everyone wanted him. And he surprised everyone by electing to go to the Green Bay Packers. He was told not to go there. He went anyway. And MJ, he played six seasons with the Green Bay Packers. Now, I don't know if we can make a correlation between then and now, but J.J. Watt at 32, if the Cardinals can get any kind of production like the Packers got from a Reggie White, this is a win-win and a home run for the Arizona Cardinals. I would agree. Now, you know, we don't
1: know. Yeah. The fact that Reggie White played eight years in Philadelphia, six in Green Bay, and then he finished out in Carolina, and as you pointed out to me earlier, he played all 16 games. You know, I don't know, considering the money that J.J. Watt has made and will make in the next few years if he's going to play that long, but I think it's a good reference point, point. I'm glad that he used that as an analogy. I wish he would have told us that, but, you know, different settings, podcasts, Versus a press conference your first time. So, but yeah, I mean, you look at it in the six years, 68 and a half sacks, his first year there, you know, he had 13, eight, 12, eight and a half, 11, 16. So, you know, he was averaging double digits. And when you look six years, 68 um, sacks, so maybe 10 and a half, 11 sacks. I don't know what the number is. I mean, we would love to sit here and say, you know, with him and Chandler Jones and, you know, Buda Baker and Isaiah Simmons and hopefully Jordan Phillips, you know, get back to to form like they uh, brought him in for. I mean, it's interesting that, you know, again, I, I like the sacks, but I, I like what he, he said. He said it's about tackle for loss, which I should have included, and then batted balls down. And we on the Red Sea report, we got a couple highlights from Jimmy Omahundro where his scoop and score for a touchdown, a 40-yard Pick six basically has the trees to put his arms up, to, you know, get a pick like Kyler Murray did to, to Davion Clowney a couple of years ago. So it's more, but I like the fact that they're going to move him around. And he was open to moving around. I think that's what he's done. I do think in the base defense, he will play in a 34 defensive end. I don't know if that will be on the left side or right side, or is he going to be in the middle? And then I think when you look at when in their nickel defense, it's going to be different than a year ago. He can go to the three technique, five technique, seven technique. And there were times he was in a nine technique and he was overlooking the tight end and the right tackle and he was making plays. So I like the fact that he was open to it and it's not just one thing he's going to do. By moving him around, we'll create matchups
0: for the entire front seven. And I think that's a conversation that he and Vance Joseph will have. And I think it's a simple one that, hey, this is where I think I line up best in certain matchups. But if you see something differently on film, I'm open to doing anything and everything. He's not coming in. and We discussed this earlier this week. He's not coming in and dictating. This is what I do. This is who I am. And I'm not going to change. I don't think that's J.J. Watt, especially at this point, a fresh start, a new team, and then pairing him up with a dominant pass rusher on the other side or even on the same side and Chandler Jones because you're looking, to use your analogy of trees, you've got two large trees when at six five, and then all of a sudden you raise your arms up. Now you're well over seven feet tall to bat those balls down. But any way you can affect the quarterback, yes, people have gotten caught up on the number of sacks last year by J.J. Watt looking at that number of five and saying, oh, he was. it was a down year, he's over the hill. That's not true. Watch the film and then see what happened when opposing offenses attacked J.J. Watt. They ran away from J.J. Watt. They double teamed J.J. Watt. But he, even with that double team, was still being effective to allow teammates, if he had some effective defenders next to him, to affect the quarterback on the other side of the line of scrimmage. So sometimes... Sometimes numbers don't always tell you the whole story when you're looking at the stat sheet if you didn't watch the film or didn't watch the game in its totality. I think it's a a really good um, point by you from a
1: standpoint of if you want to watch J.J. Watt playing against the Titans last year, I don't – may have been week 17. I could be wrong, but it was in December. And Derrick Henry obviously was putting up numbers. You know They were trying to get into the postseason, et cetera. Every time that Watt would line up on one side, they, they're, they're kind of would run to the other side. And then, and again, you can run the same play to both sides, but obviously they were where he was on the field. So let me give you a few numbers from ESPN stats and info. The Cardinals' blitz rate the past three seasons has been 38%, the second highest in the NFL, having all pros. On either edge of the line, will pay dividends when the offensive line starts to double team one or the other. Another one. Last season, JJ Watt was double teamed 30%, according to ESPN stats and info, the most in the NFL. By comparison, Jones was double teamed 16% of the time when he was an edge rusher in 2019, the last time he played a full season. So, and then you go back to 17. Watt averages 3.16 pressures per game. Pressures. Fifth most in the league, while Jones was seventh at 3.09 per game among players with at least 40 games played. I mean, yeah, we're looking back when he won the three-time Defensive Player of the Year award. He didn't have any talent on that roster. He had nobody else to help them. I'm telling you, you look at the roster, and was on the field in December, some of those guys – we up from the practice squad. I mean, they, they, I don't know, they weren't tanking because they traded their picks away. Um, but that, that talent level wasn't the same. I mean, it really, I mean, just seemed like they were just more focused on getting to the off season. So you, you take, you know, we talked about Jordan Phillips and then you, you throw in Zach Allen and we'll see about Corey Peters. And then you throw in JJ and then, Hicks and Simmons. We'll see what happens on the outside. Hopefully Marcus Gold and the Redick. And then Buda Baker. I mean, you got playmakers now. I mean, there's the one guy, there's going to be a downward spiral effect where who are you going to double? You can't double J.J. Watt. And it wouldn't surprise me if they move Simmons sometimes. I know he's more of a, you know, a weak side linebacker, can cover tight ends, can play in the box.
0: But if you're going to double someone, somebody's going to be free. Yeah, and I think that's what the Cardinals were looking at when they made this move. Going back to those six seasons that Reggie White spent with the Packers, and I know it's a two-year contract with the Cardinals and J.J. Watt, but six Pro Bowl appearances, an All-Pro twice, I mean, starting at the age of 32, look, sometimes, yes, you do lose a step, but what you lose in a step, you gain in experience and knowledge and the tricks of the trade – don't forget when the Cardinals added Dwight Franey, he was, you know, on the other side of his career yet still was very effective. Unlimited snap counts, and I don't think we're going to see a limited snap count with J.J. Watt at all, especially when he came off of a thousand snap season a year ago. He takes great care of himself. I just think that just don't look at his number thirty-two as far as age. Look at the body of work and then kind of do a comparison. And you're projecting. I get that. We're projecting. Yes, he has to stay healthy. Everyone has to stay healthy. But this, to me, could be a huge move for the Cardinals defensively, helps the back end, and it obviously helps the offense. And we really haven't talked about what it
1: means in a locker room. I mean, that that's different, I know. He's going to be judged on what he does on the field, but the leadership. But, you know, that is the reason why Reggie White was named the Minister of Defense. And one thing that you pointed out to me, He wasn't hurt a lot in his career. Now, he was a big guy, but, you know, back in the day, uh, you know, guys played through more injuries. Probably now we got more um, science, and, you know, if you're not cleared by the trainer, you're not going to play. You know, a lot of guys probably were playing injured, but he didn't miss a lot of games in his entire career where, you know, it's funny, and we don't know the the official numbers or guaranteed money and all this stuff, but 32 games he's missed, right? Over the past five seasons. Five seasons. If things go well, I think this could be a three-year contract when it's all said and done. The way the teams are going to try to push the money to where, you know, you take a little bit earlier, uh, maybe not the highest cap number, the next year will go up, and then they're hoping the cap goes up because of the TV contract. So there's ways to move it around. And I always, you know, there's, there's general managers and owners that I've said in the past, Craig, If you really want a player, you could find a way. Now, you may go short in another position, and that's where you get that positional spending
0: that comes into effect. Yeah, and let's get into some of that free agency because I think it's important now. You've landed the big fish. Is there another one to follow, or what do the Cardinals do next here as we continue on this Wednesday edition of Cardinals Covered 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, a reminder, bird Gang, to get all of your Cardinals news in the palm of your hand. Update to the latest version of the Cardinals mobile app today. The update features an all-new redesigned home screen experience. Visit azcardinals.com slash app for more. We had a chance to hear from General Manager Steve Keim earlier, and it's the first time we've heard from the General Manager, at least in this kind of a setting over Zoom, meeting the local and national media since, well, since the season ended, so a lot to get into. But with respects to free agency and what now might happen with the Cardinals, J.J. Watt is taking a large chunk of change out of the salary cap. How much? Well, it depends on who you believe and what you read. According to the general manager, though, and I'm guessing, MJ, he would know, the contract that J.J. Watt signed does not, quote, drastically limits what the Cardinals want to do in free agency. There's some flexibility there that would allow the Cardinals to be, in kind's words, aggressive, yet at the same time, knowing that finances must come into play because they're still not quite sure here on March 3rd where that salary cap is going to be. It's going to be no lower than 180, but how much higher does it go? Another million, another 5 million, another 7 million? And every little dollar and cent is going to matter huge when you're trying to retain some of your own players and go out and improve the team with a market that is going to be flooded with a lot of players.
1: And I think that was important to mention because we look at, you know, guaranteed money for Watt and, you know, we'll see what the cap number is in the first year versus the second year. And I, I do think, and he also will get into this where he said, you know, they have 28 free agents and they would like to retain some of them. Um, but he also said it depends on the market. So I do think they have enough money to go out and get a, a, another big fish, meaning a plug and play guy. Um, I don't know if he'll be 30 plus. And you start looking at, you know, are they, are they going to be active trying to get a veteran wide receiver? Because he mentioned today that you know, he started watching some wide receiver film for the draft and he was intrigued with the top five guys. They are picking 16th overall. They have focused on the defense, at least in free agency last year. Um, And then obviously their first move here and because JJ Watt was available. So I, I would think, and we'll get into some of the details about Josh Jones, but I, based on Sean Coogler comments last week, Craig, clearly they want to upgrade the center position. And if that means competition. So there's three free agent centers out there, Corey Lindsey. He's with the Packers. Supposedly he's going to command at least twelve million a year. And then you got Alex Mack, who's thirty-five. He may com- command five or six million a year, one-year deal. Good, good veteran player. Played a ton of. He's got a lot of respect around. Him. And then Nick Martin, most recently, was leased by the Texans. He's got forty-eight starts, and we know the Cardinals have. Over the last two years, they've really done a good job going after Texans players, at least DeAndre Hopkins and JJ Watt. So why don't we just keep the tradition? And I don't know what his asking price is, but that to me could be the the line that if they want to make upgrades there, because we'll get into what we think at right guard and right tackle and and depth. That would go a long way. And one thing we got to go back to when when Kyler Murray retweeted Jim Nagy's thing. It was about the lines. He also retweeted Tristan worse. We're going up one sack the whole year when Cardinals were in that conversation until they really liked Josh Jones and Isaiah Simmons, but he retweeted the lines. So they've addressed the D line. Now you have to address the center position, I believe. And I think that could be another big ticket item or settle on one of those veteran guys. Cause Lindsay's he's primed for free agency. I don't, There's going to be – and I don't know if the Packers can afford him and Aaron Jones, uh, so we'll have to wait and see. But I I do think center could be probably a a position. They're going to try to bring in a guy, and that guy that comes in likely will
0: be in competition but probably be the starter in week one. That's just my guess. Texans West, right, here in uh, the Arizona Cardinals. I'll throw in another former Houston Texan, Will Fuller. Then you pair him up with DeAndre Hopkins, and of course – but if you look – at where the Cardinals are right now and knowing that free agency starts first and then you have the draft and what we've seen over the years and we heard from Sean Kugler when we heard from him last week that the offensive line, typically you have to wait a year or two before you really earn that spot and know how to play along the line of scrimmage. So if you're the Cardinals here and you're picking at number 16, what position do you think you can land at number 16 that is an immediate plug-and-play guy, to use your phrase. Is that an offensive lineman? Is that a wide receiver? Is that a cornerback? And then depending on what you believe, and we heard from Steve Kahn earlier today, he loves what he's seen out of the wide receiver class. He believes the top three or four guys, in his words, are game changers. So if one of those guys, and of course you have to wait and see who falls to you, but if you land one of those guys, or if it's a cornerback, then maybe that offensive line, center, Interior guard position, that becomes the focus of free agency because that's a known commodity versus the unknown with a draft prospect.
1: Yeah, I like the way
0: you're connecting dots.
1: And you know, Will Fuller, uh, he he's he had a server suspension last year for PED. So I don't know if he's eligible. I don't know how many games he missed, but he's a speed guy and he can definitely stretch the field. I but if 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 again, if you follow Kime, whatever they Don't do in free agency. They have a tendency to do it in draft. Now, you know, 16, I still think they would trade down um, just to pick up an extra second or third. Um, They have five picks going in right now. Um, But, you know, last year's two corners were drafted in the first round. Jeff Akuda and I want to say Henderson went to the Atlanta Falcons. And they struggled their first year. I mean, Jeff Okuda was getting picked on. You know, he took it personal. I remember you and I were at the combine and the guy said – he kind of said, "Go back and watch my film." He should have been more. Um, he was really arrogant when that question came up, and then he got exposed. So it's tough, but I I do think this this is a deep wide receiver class, and I think it's a deep corner draft. And Craig, there are there are nine guys that are six feet and taller, and people I've talking to some could be slot corners. So again, what happens with Pat P? What do you do with Alfred? You try to bring him back at a lower figure. And then Byron Murphy, uh, I think they would consider putting on the outside if they didn't bring Pat P back. But there are, and you're thinking you take the 16th corner and play him at slot. Well, he can bounce outside after all for you know. Gets maybe I'm just player X over there. And then the good news is teams are going three and four wide, and we know how affected these slot guys are with these crossing routes and slant routes. So I would never say, well, you don't draft a guy that high and play him at slot. Position flexibility. He can play in the slot and he can play on the outside.
0: And remember, Bird Gang, as a refresher, we covered the wide receiver and cornerbacks in our position-by-position look ahead of free agency. And just those names, once again, as far as the wide receiver position are concerned, Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddell, and Devontae Smith. And those are some of the names, including Smith, that those prognosticators have had the Cardinals pegging at number 16. Now, Smith would certainly be a godsend, if you will, as the Heisman Trophy winner falling all the way to 16. And then you look at the corner position and the top guys, you talked about all over six feet tall. Well, you've got Caleb Farley, J.C. Horn, Patrick Sertan. Those players, 6'2", 6-1, 6'2". And in the latest mock, I can't remember who it was. It might have been Mel Kuyper Jr. He has J.C. Horn landing with the Cardinals at number 16. And if you are a corner selected in the first round, Don't forget Patrick Peterson. Well, he was a top 10 pick. He was number five overall. You can play these guys, not saying that you're not going to add a veteran to help. But if you're more comfortable in starting a rookie at wide receiver and at corner, as opposed to at center or guard, then I think that's what the Cardinals might be looking to do here in free agency. Because what do we talk about as far as needs going into this offseason? In no particular order, a playmaker wide receiver, interior, offensive line, the right side if you want to include the tackle position, defensive line, edge rusher, and corner. Well, the Cardinals have checked the box as far as defensive line slash edge rusher. So what's next? And I'm kind of in agreement with you, MJ. I would like to see this team go out, and I don't know who it is. I haven't watched tape. But as far as getting someone to compete, who can compete at center, at guard, maybe even at tackle to protect your most valuable asset, Kyler Murray.
1: And the three guys I mentioned, Lindsley, uh, Martin, and Mac, they would be an upgrade. No disrespect. They would be an upgrade. And just based on experience and in, in, in with the teams they've been with. I mean, again, um, you know, Mason Cole was a third round pick. This had to be difficult for Cougs because obviously he played with his son, but. I've always said, and I think you can agree, they're going to play the best five guys. And if you're going to go out and spend money over double digits and, and on, a, on, a, on a center, he's going to start. But they want to create competition where position flexibility will matter if you're that eighth lineman dressing on game day.
0: I think that bird gang is what you should anticipate next. And of course we could be completely wrong. It wouldn't be the first time. It certainly won't (laughs) be the last time. Remember we had the JJ Watt discussion ahead of it and said, Oh, there's no way it would be a surprise. I'd be shocked. Just can't afford them. And then what happens a week later, JJ Watt is being introduced as an Arizona Cardinal. So again, it's just our opinion, but if you want to satisfy if you believe that retweets are a statement by a certain quarterback, then yes, shore up the offensive line, shore up the defensive line, look for competition. I'm not saying you're going to hand the keys to any one of these players, but you want competition on your offensive line, the center position moving over to right guard, right tackle. And I think running back is something to take a
1: look at. Now, you could do it in both free agency and the draft. I, I do think the Cardinals will draft a running back. I don't think it'll be in the first round. Um, depending on what they do in the first round, will dictate what they do in rounds two and three. And that's why I think it's important to move back and try to get an extra pick. But uh, And I know everyone's going to like Harris and um, the Clemson running back, Travis
0: ETM. ETN.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, those guys probably go in the first round. I get it. But they got Chase Edmonds. Um, we'll see what, what the depth looks like, but there are some veteran uh, running backs and I got to think some of these guys are going to have to take one year deals like Carlos Hyde's taking one year deals over the, I liked him when he was in Houston. And I want to say he was also in Cleveland. Then he was in Seattle, Mark Ingram. He's 31. He's a short yardage back. We talk about that third and one and fourth and one, they, they want to get a bigger back. And I don't know if that happens. I think it's, I definitely think it will happen. I'll say definitely. I I assume it will happen in the draft just because they're not, if you look at Chase's contract and eventually they're going to have to, you know, extend him if they feel he's the guy. And the comp would be Tariq Cohen. I think it was three years, about 17 and a half million. Cohen was hurt this year. He's a little bit faster, but skill set is very similar. And I've talked to Chase about that. And he said, he thought that was a good comp um, just on the player. Uh, Not so much the money, but, so you're not paying the running back position as much as you were paying last year. You gave Drake 8.4, and then you had obviously some guys on some rookie deals, you Benjamin, even though he didn't play, he was on he's still on the 53-man roster. So you can go a little bit heavier at different positions, and by drafting a running back or signing a free agent running back on a one-year deal, now all of a sudden you can spend more money maybe at the wide receiver position or even the tight end position if you choose to.
0: And with those contracts, maybe throw in some incentives. I think teams might elect to do that more. The reports are out that there are incentives in J.J. Watt's contract. You hit a certain number of sacks a season, then all of a sudden you're making more money. And I think that's how you become creative in this salary cap offseason in which you don't have a lot of money to spend. You throw in, look, we like you a lot, but we have to get some protection for ourselves. We don't want to be paying a player That's not playing. We're not paying you to sit on the sidelines as a fan. We want you on the field. So there's the incentive. If you're healthy and productive, then you're going to get some more money.
1: And if I'm not mistaken, if if JJ Watt does hit that and everyone wins there, that means he's been productive. Um, I don't think that that incentive, the the achievable incentive, comes against the salary cap. Now there's a reserve for that. Because a lot of times you just kind of, you know, you got to get 12 sacks or 15 sacks and it's probably hard to get it. But if he gets 10 or more, he's going to get a million dollars. And you're right. I think it started a few years ago. Just because you're on the 53 um, and let's say you came in and making $1 million as your base, if you're – on the 53 and you're active on game day, you can make 50 thousand to fifty five thousand per game, and we're talking about 17 games in upcoming season. so there's ways where you can you know reward the player for being uh, a on the roster and then being active on game day. so that's another way you can sweeten the pot a little bit, and really it's on the player at that point because yes, it's great to be on the 53 but you want to be playing on game day.
0: Also on the subject of free agents, Kai mentioned the 28 impending free agents that the Cardinals have. And here we are on March 3rd. And typically you see some of these names already resigned. No one has resigned. Kai mentioned, though, that they would like a lot of these players to return. Of course, some would have to, or at this point, like to hit free agency and see what the market dictates. But if you're looking at the 28 unrestricted free agents considering what the Cardinals need or the perceived need MJ where do you see as far as guys that we know of meaning the Arizona Cardinals players that you would like to see back in uniform this coming season
1: Well what JJ Watt's going to provide I don't know what that means for a son Reddick I think Reddick's earned the right to go out there and see what he's worth and somebody can pay him 8 10 million a year So I would try to retain Marcus Golden. Uh, You know, I'm not picking. I'm just being realistic when it comes to the salary cap. And both guys want to be here. But, you know, Golden is obviously tested free agency in the last couple of years. It hasn't worked out for him. He loves being here. This is the first time a son is going to taste that. And then Kelvin Beachum. I thought he did a nice job last year. Now, I didn't ask Steve what is the latest on Marcus Gilbert. As you mentioned, he just got married. So... Um, but he was their one of their better linemen, and he got hurt on a Thursday before the opener two years ago. So I like Beacham, and I think that allows them to put Justin Murray in there. And then he did talk about Josh Jones, and he's talked about the position flexibility.
0: Let me throw two other names, one offense and one defense. The defensive player, I know it's a tricky one, but I've been on the bandwagon to get Patrick Peterson back in the fold. I don't know what it's going to take. But because right now you do need veteran help at that cornerback position, because right now all you have is Byron Murphy with a big question mark of Robert Alford. Can you go out and maybe get Jonathan Joseph, Drake, or Patrick to come back? Sure, but that's probably later down the line. I would love for the Cardinals and Patrick Peterson to come to some kind of agreement. One-year deal, prove it, and then we're having this discussion all over again. Or a two- or a three-year deal, we know he would prefer to stay here, yet at the same time, I'm not going to fault anyone for trying to make as most money as you can. The other name on the offensive end is Dan Arnold, a tight end, but he is to become an unrestricted free agent. I'd like to see him come back with Max Williams, who's the only other tight end that is under contract for next season because of that chemistry that we've seen between quarterback and Arnold as far as that, another big target whether it's down the middle or in the end zone, that chemistry was immediate. And I'd like for that to continue. I don't want to see the Cardinals lose Dan Arnold after the amount of work that quarterback and tight end have put together to get to this point, as far as being able to talk about their chemistry.
1: You know, once we get to this point, clearly, you know, agents, I mean, normally it happens at the combine. You walk through the lobby and you see agents talking to GMs and owners well, you got to think that, you know, Reddick may have an idea of what he's going to get. So, like, and I'm not comparing Patrick Peterson to Reddick or even a guy I'm going to mention right now, Rodney Gunter. The feeling is go out there and see what you're worth. And are you willing to come back? And we're not asking so much for the hometown discount. And, and Gunter finally got a deal with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Unfortunately, he had a heart issue, so he wasn't able to play this past season. And I think they're going to do that with Patrick Peterson. I think you know. I don't know. Are the Cardinals willing to pay him 11 million a year? I think so. I mean, I think you can fit that in positional spending, considering you know you're, you got a young safety uh, under contract, uh, the Thompson twins, and Buddha's under contract. Um, and then he is does he go out and get two years, 25 million, 15 guaranteed, and he's got to make a decision based on his future. He's better off playing in the zone. I think he's maintained that. I don't know if he wants to play in a man-man defense. And so now you start limiting how many teams. And I'm sure other teams see his name on the page. I, I, I think it was um, uh, D'Angelo Hall. He ranked his top 10 DBs. Justin Simmons, safety. Patrick Peterson. Richard Sherman. Shaquille Griffin. Marcus May, who's represented by Eric Burkhart. He's a safety. Josh Johnson III, Marcus Williams, William Jackson III, Anthony Harris, and Mike Hilton. So, a former player has him number two, and it only takes one team. So, like I said, if somebody's going to offer him two years, 25, 12, 15 bonus, and the Cardinals, I don't, you know, if they're offering 11, uh, maybe on a one or two year deal, he's going to have to make a decision. So, it's going to be interesting, but I do think they're going to let these guys test the waters and see what they're worth. And then Will they give them the option to either match or will they say like they had that conversation that Bertram Berry uh, was involved in when Tom Condon called Calais back and Calais said, call him one more time. And he said, Calais, they wish you luck. I mean, that's that's how it is. So there's there's negotiation going back and forth, but these players feel like, you know well it's my time to cash in. Reddick be a prime
0: example. Go see what you're worth then. Yeah, that's the business aspects of this. Now, there is one other free agent that people consistently ask about. MJ, do you know who it is? And before you answer, let me let the bird gang know that if you like what you're hearing here on Cardinals Cover Two, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, we invite you to subscribe to Arizona Cardinals Podcast so you can listen to your favorite shows on the go, like Cardinals Underground, the Big Red Raids, the Cardinals Red Sea Report, and of course this show, Cardinals Cover Two. Go to azcardinals.com slash podcast for more information. So who is that one free agent that we have yet to talk about that everyone else talks about as far as whether or not we will see him in a Cardinals uniform in 2021? Larry Fitzgerald. Bingo. The latest on Fitz here as we talk on March 3rd. Kim asked about Fitz. And yes, he has talked to Larry Fitzgerald, quote, quite a bit but nothing to report at this time, end quote. MJ, this is the latest that number 11 has ever taken to make this decision on whether or not to continue playing his 18th season. Certainly, we would all love to see him back on the field. The question is, when will we know? And I did find it interesting that Kimes said that he did not think or it did not need to be known by the starts of free agency, March 17th, which to me, I would think if I'm the one managing the salary cap, I would want to know unless there is a number that they have in mind that they're just going to plug right there and not touch, not worry about. Call it a rainy day fund, call it the Larry Fitzgerald fund that that is reserved for him if he comes back, great. If not, hey, look at that, we got this money now we can go and spend. So Bottom line, no new news, and there is no pressure on Fitz to make a decision. What if Larry
1: Fitzgerald never makes a decision? (laughs) Like we get to April and he hasn't made a decision.
0: We get to April, we get to May, we get to June, and... What if he just rides off in the sunset and... Doesn't tell anyone?
1: Yeah, just... And he doesn't, because when he decides to retire... That's the, the clock will start ticking, you know, we five years to get into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and you'd have to turn in your retirement papers. So maybe he hasn't even thought about that kind of stuff, but maybe we don't hear from him. Maybe Whoa. it's, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I still lean that, I still lean that I, I know that the way the season ended, but I think you got to look at the, the totality of his career. We know he wants to get back to the postseason. There's no guarantees, but obviously a better roster, uh, better outcome, hopefully. Um, But I still think he was leaning with um, hanging it up. But at this point, I'm just guessing. So I don't have any insight.
0: Well, then there's this scenario. You just kind of quote, unquote, right off into the sunset. But you do let the team know, hey, you know what? My guess is right now, no, just go along and plan without me. And then maybe, you know what? Maybe there's an injury. Maybe something happens. Maybe there's a trade opportunity that opens up a spot, and you say, you know what, Fitz? You didn't have to work during the offseason. Don't worry about training camp. Week one, if you want to suit up, there's our another wide receiver that we can throw on the field for a handful of snaps here or there because we do know whether or not he does – if he does come back, MJ, he can't be your number two wide receiver yeah. because by the time – He makes his decision or even put it this way. By the time we get to training camp, this team had better addressed that wide receiver position next to DeAndre Hopkins and Christian Kirk, meaning it can't be Larry Fitzgerald as your other playmaker. I'm sorry. I hate to say it out loud, but based off what we saw last season and what we saw in the postseason as far as playmakers that quarterbacks need to throw to, maybe, yes, he can be utilized a little bit better but I want to see someone that's a definitive number two, whether that is for agency or the draft. And if you do have the luxury of a Larry Fitzgerald, great, let's use him. So I just don't want that to be the answer when we talk about the number two wide re- wide receiver next to Hopkins.
1: I mean, we're approaching an off season that maybe Patrick Peterson won't be on the, the roster and possibly Larry Fitzgerald for retirement reasons. And that you talk about, you know, Patrick's I think he's got ring of honor um, credentials eight-time pro bowler yes we're going to remember the last couple of years but again I'm a big body of work guy when you start looking at the, the, their entire careers and we know Larry's definitely a, a hall of first ballot hall of famer and Patrick may not get in early um, but you know depending on how he finishes his career but that's a changing of the guard we know Larry passed the torch to Kyler Murray uh, when he became the the quarterback so And maybe, you know, J.J. Watt takes a bigger role just because of his personality and his credentials and his leadership. So it'd be interesting to see. But uh, you're talking about some guys that were Cardinal fixtures for a long, long
0: time. Yeah, two cornerstones, one on offense, one on defense. That certainly would be odd to see someone not in their uniform, but just on their side of the field, lining up, whether it's in the slot or the outside and then in P2's case, you know, opposite a number one wide receiver. It it certainly would be jarring, about as jarring as it's going to see J.J. Watt, number 99, in a Cardinals uniform. Let's bring this show full circle. We talked about J.J. Watt and the Reggie White comparison that Watt made, but something that Kaim brought up and was asked with respects to how this team was able to land J.J. Watt, and remember what Watt said when asked about Kyler Murray, quote, he texted Murray, quote, I'm here because I believe in you. Kime doubled down to a certain extent, saying that the only reason the Cardinals were in the game as a consideration for a landing spot for J.J. Watt was because of Kyler Murray. Well, this coincides with who we heard,
1: and now we have confirmation. And again, (laughs) I have to mention the quarterbacks that were, were in the running. Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield, Ryan Tannehill. Um, I don't know if I'm missing anybody. Um, but, you know, those, those seem like the top teams, unless it, there was a uh, sleeper team. And I guess there was a sleeper team. That was the Cardinals.
0: The addition to what Kyle said, you know, talking about Murray, a player we can win it all with, and I'm sure that excited JJ. Now, you can argue, Bergang, that there might be teams closer to that ring. But as we've seen in the National Football League, it doesn't take much for a team to go worst to first, out of the playoffs, into the playoffs, out of the playoffs, into the playoffs, into the Super Bowl conversation, because sometimes it is just one player or one season, or in this case, the Kingsbury, Murray, Vance Joseph three years into this project, we should definitely start seeing some, not just a foundation, but some semblance of a house, almost a finished product, if you will. We've seen steps, but now it's that next step, dare I say, maybe that final step.
1: And that's the, uh, that's got to be the uh, focus going into the offseason because, you know, and, and again, the only other team that was showing interest from the NFC would have been the, uh, the Packers. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, it was good for him to change conferences. I don't know if that was a deciding factor. I do think the weather played a role. Um, just as you get older and you get up in the morning and go outside and you don't have to shovel snow, not that he had to do that. Uh, but you walk in front of your car into the facility and your bones start to feel a little bit um, sore. So I think there's a lot of factors. But I, I do think having that franchise quarterback, Uh, made that decision to where I'm on board. And I can, based on his comments, he was totally on board, um, knowing that the respect was both for Kyler Murray and J.J. Watt.
0: And the excitement, the energy that we have all felt since Monday is going to continue all the way through the offseason and into the regular season and hopefully ends with where we all want to see the Cardinals, and that is in the postseason. Before we put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, this, Bird Gang, is show number 400. Thank you, first and foremost, to everyone here with the Cardinals. And then to you, Bird Gang, we are not here without your supports. The Arizona Cardinals, certainly a lot to talk about with this team, good times and in bad times. We're here to chronicle it all, the good, the bad but certainly, most importantly, we are here for you to entertain and also a little knowledge and information as well, so we could not do it without you as well, and uh, appreciate you allowing us to uh come into your living rooms or your car or however you listen to Cardinals cover 2.
1: Even though it's the off season, I mean, the way I look at it is the NFL calendar. There's always something going on, and once we get through free agency, and it's already started for the Cardinals, let me get to the draft. So, um, we we'll we'll let you know what we think and then what we hear. And as Craig said, we definitely like the feedback, and uh, you know we enjoy doing the show. So it's always great to have fans interacting, whether it's on Twitter or
0: social media. Of course, we couldn't do it without the man behind the scenes, our executive producer, Jim Omahundro, as well. Appreciate him guiding the ship, if you will. And on that note, we will now put a lid on show number 400. Special thanks to Omo For Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. Bird Gang, we'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.